All right, well, we're in week five of our series that we've been in that we call The Journey. And we've been talking about what a relationship with Jesus looks like in a moment-by-moment basis, that it's a journey uh, with our Father every day. He lives in us. Uh, Not only is He in us, but He surrounds us with His presence. He is in everything that, that we encounter. Uh, When we accept Him as our Savior, when we ask Him to come into our heart, He's with us at work, He's with us at school, He's with us in the car, He's with us in everything that we do. And He is, uh, we've also seen that not only is, is He with us and in us, but He's around us and sometimes in just the ordinary things of, of uh, life that we take for granted every single day, sometimes He engulfs those things with His presence to do extraordinary things. And so we've been talking about as we walk through life, as we go through life on this journey with the King of Kings, being aware of His presence being aware that He's there in the ordinary things, He's there in the extraordinary things, He's he's there in the big things, the little things, the coincidences, He's there in all things, and that we should be looking for Him and have an awareness uh, with Him. But here's the deal. If we're honest about this journey that we're on with Jesus, even as we're walking with Him, here's our tendency. Our tendency is to begin to let our eyes wander. And we began to look around. We might look over to the left and we see people that have life a little better than our life. We look to our right and we see people who are living in nicer houses than we live in, driving nicer cars uh, than we do. And even though we're on this journey with the creator of the universe and the savior of our soul, we start looking around at what everybody else has and what everybody else is doing. And we might not admit it, but as we do that, we begin to get a little envious. We begin to get a little jealous. How come I'm not as happy as they seem to be? How come I don't have as awesome as a husband as she seems to have. I live with the grouchiest man in the world and her husband appears to be uh, Prince Charming. Or, or, or how come, you know, things always seem to go so good for them and life is such a struggle for me. And we're, we're looking around at others and we're determining who we are by the lives that they're living. But here's the deal about looking around at others and comparing your life and your family to other people. There's never going to be any joy in that. You're never going to find contentment in your life as long as you're doing that and you're trying to measure up to everybody else and their standards and the standards that the world tries to set for us uh, as we walk out of these doors. In fact, I would say that this kind of life can be detrimental to your family. It can be damaging to your life because if we're honest today, some of us have unnecessary debt and financial burdens in our families because we're always trying to keep up with everyone else, what they have and what they're doing and where they're living. In fact, the wisest man in the world, and I appreciate Emily reading our scripture for us this morning, referred to King Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus Christ. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. 30, He says, envy rots the bones, 
Being envious, being jealous of others, he says, rots the bones. There's no joy in it. There's no joy in comparison. It will eat you alive. That is not God's plan for your life. It may be God's plan for your neighbor's life, but it's not God's plan for your life. And so as as we're thinking about that and talking about that, is there any help in God's Word to help us with this problem that I believe plagues most Americans today in the culture that we live in? Well, I believe the great place to start is here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a book in the Bible uh, that's presumed to be written by King Solomon. It's packed full of wisdom. I would encourage you to to read it. It's very interesting reading and, and good stuff. But Solomon, for those of you who may not know, and maybe a reminder for those of you that do, Solomon uh, was someone who probably did more than you and I will ever do. He accomplished more than you and I will ever accomplish. Solomon uh, not only did that, but he was also the wisest man in the world. He was the wealthiest man uh, in his lifetime. And kings and queens would come and sit at his feet and ask him, for advice and ask him for for wisdom. So Solomon, uh, in reflecting on all of that, Solomon looks at the world, he looks at all these situations that he's involved in, and he addresses this issue, this temptation for us to compare our lives to the other people around us. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. And here's what he says, starting at verse 4. He said, in looking around and being involved in all these situations and circumstances and people coming to me for advice, he said, I saw that all toil, how much toil? He said, all of it. He said, I saw that all toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. So Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he says, you know what, I've been watching people and I've realized that for the most part, the things that drives people is competition and what other people have and what other people are doing. Uh, This morning after I uh, preached this message, uh, Kevin McNabb came up, he always is uh, giving me interesting uh, tidbits about the message and and uh, he told me this story this morning I thought it was awesome. I wanted to share with you guys. I told him I would. I have permission to share it. Uh, but he was telling me about this old guy that was fishing. He was fishing on, a, on the bank of a lake there. And uh, he had a cane pole and he had a five-gallon plastic bucket that he had turned upside down. And he's sitting on this bucket with this cane pole and, and he's fishing. And he looks over, not far down from where he's sitting, there's a man that has this really nice uh, lawn chair. is one of those nice uh, reclining lawn chairs. He's got this, you know, big tackle box. He's got a Zebco 33 and a rod, and he can throw out there real far. And he's looking at that man. He said, man, I wish, I wish I had a chair like that. I wish I had a rod and reel like that. I could probably catch a whole lot more fish. He's even got a stringer to put his fish on that he catches. And when I catch a fish, I just have to put it in my bucket, and then I don't have anywhere to sit when I'm fishing. Well, the man that's sitting down there that he's watching with the Zebco 33 and the the lawn chair, he's looking out there on the lake, and there's a guy out there on the lake in a 14-foot flat-bottom boat with a trolling motor on it. And he's out there fishing, and he's got this fancy spinning rod. 
And he's out there casting, and he can go anywhere he wants to go. And the man in the lawn chair goes, man, I, I wish I had a boat like that. I, I wish I just had a, a little boat where I could be out there on the lake, and I could fish in different places other than, you know, being stuck here where, you know, only place I can fish is here on the bank. Well, the guy that's out there in the 14-foot boat, he's looking out across the lake, and a guy in this $80,000 bass boat comes screaming by, and he drives by, and he stops, and he throws him out some markers, and he starts fishing, and the guy in the little boat's going, man, if I could just have a fancy, fast bass boat like that with all those graphs and live view, and, and man, when that guy wants to change lures, he don't even have to stop and cut off and read tie he's got all these rods laying there and he just picks up the one he wants to use and he throws it and the guy that's out there fishing he's trying to fish and he keeps looking at his watch and he looks over at the guy sitting over on the bucket and he was like man he said this is the first time I've got to go fishing in six months I work all the time I have to work all the time I got to be at work in an hour he said you know but I've got to have that job to pay for this expensive bass boat he said you know every time I come fishing out here that guy is sitting there on that bucket with that cane pole fishing he fishes all the time I wish I could fish all the time like that guy does <laughs> you know and it just goes full circle does it not I mean, that is the story of the American life. It, it truly is. And, and the thing that drives most people in our society today is that they're looking around. They're looking to the left, and they're looking to the right, and they're trying to figure out what everybody else is doing and what everybody else has got. You know, where are they shopping? What are they wearing? What are they driving? How much are they making? And it's all about their toil is driven by what they see people around them doing. And think about this. This was 3,000 years ago, and Solomon sees all this going on. Nothing has changed, has it? Matter of fact, I would say it's probably much worse in the culture that we live in today in America. And here's a summary of what Solomon saw. He saw people determining where they were on their journey based on where everyone else was at on their journey. And they were determining if they were okay, and if their kids were okay, and if their family was okay, by what those around them uh, was doing. They're looking around to measure themselves up against everyone else. And he said, this is what I observed. Now look at what he says in verse 4. He says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So Solomon, you know, asked him, what do you, what do you think about comparing uh, yourself to, to everybody else to see how I'm doing? He says, it's meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. But Solomon, you can't really catch the wind. Exactly. Do you see his point here? Everybody's chasing after something that they're never going to catch. You ever tried to chase the wind before? Yeah, you're not going to catch it. It's not possible. That's what he's saying here. There's no finish line. There's no catching it. There's never this sense of, I got it, this satisfaction, this contentment, and this joy. And so is he saying here that we're not supposed to try, that we're not supposed to do our best, that we're not supposed to work hard? Or are you just saying that we ought to just fold our hands and be content and just, you know, sit on our five-gallon bucket all day, every day? No, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, in his next statement says this in verse 5, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. 
So Solomon, he wants to be clear here. He's not telling us not to be ambitious. He's not telling us not to be hard workers. I mean, my goodness, he's Solomon who built the most amazing temple that's ever been built on the face of the earth. Solomon who had more gold than Fort Knox. This is Solomon who had 300 some odd wives. He's got a lot going on, all right? He's a busy guy if he's got 300 wives. He's not saying, no, he's not saying just sit around and do nothing. No, he says only a fool would fold their hands and do nothing. And then verse 6, he says, Better, though, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better, he says, to have only what one hand can hold than to have two fists clenched hanging on to everything that you can possibly hang on to. It's better to have one handful with tranquility and joy and contentment and peace because if you live uh, your life with both hands full, you're always trying to get more and more in your hands. You're trying to clench more. And he says when you're trying to do that, when, when you're trying to reach out to get more and you've clenched onto what you have, he says there's never going to be peace. You're never going to have peace in your life. There will never be tranquility because you're just chasing after the wind. Because there will always be something that you don't have that you want. There will always be something that you can't have or get. Something that is just out of your grasp that you can't afford or you can't get your hands on. And if we could just remember this rich nugget of wisdom uh, from the Bible when we start looking around and we start comparing ourselves to others and grabbing after more and pushing your kids to be better than your neighbor's kid is. Maybe we would just pause when we start looking around and thinking that way and remember, you know what, there's no peace in that. There's no contentment in that. There's no joy in that. There's no tranquility there. There's no joy in chasing after the wind because I'm never going to catch it. I'm never going to get it. Wisest guy in the world said, better is one handful with tranquility. Better is one hand with contentment and peace and joy in your life. So can I ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, sure you believe it. It's in the Bible, right? (laughs) I mean, it's in the Bible. But can I ask you at a more personal level, is is this what it's like in your home? Is this what it's like in your family? Is this what it's like in your world? I I think that this might could be a a life-changing idea for someone here today. And we start looking to the left. And we go, you know what? There's no need for me to do that. Start looking to the right. There's no point in looking to the right because I'm never going to catch the wind that's blowing over here on my right. Because when I start looking left and looking right, I get two handfuls. And what happens? (laughs) I want a third handful, don't I? Now Solomon, the wisest guy on the earth, he doesn't stop there. Verse 7, he says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. He said, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, which was really a sad state, a sad situation he's referring to here because in this culture at this time, this meant this man had nothing to leave anything to. 
This man had nothing to leave his inheritance to. Because you see, uh, back in this culture and at this time, you couldn't leave anything to your wife. You couldn't leave anything to a daughter. It was not permitted for you to leave an inheritance or anything that you had achieved, any of your stuff, any of your material possessions to women. So he had no one to leave his inheritance to. And Solomon goes on in verse 8. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Solomon says, I see people doing this. I see people all around me doing this. They work and they work and they work and they work and they're never content. It's never enough. They've never grasped enough. They've never achieved enough. And one day, he stops and he asks himself this question. And maybe it's a question that you and I need to ask ourselves today there in verse 8. For whom am I toiling? For whom am I doing this for? For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Why why am I doing all of this? Why am I holding on and trying to get more and more and more into my grasp? Why am I constantly looking left and looking right? Why am I doing all this and depriving myself of enjoying what I have? Depriving myself. Of the peace, the tranquility, the contentment, and the joy that I have in what I've already been blessed with. What I've already worked hard to receive and achieve. Why is it that I just can't stop and enjoy the moment? You see, that's what we've been talking about. Living moment to moment to moment. Living in the moment. Living in the present. Living in the right now. And he asked, why can't I just right now, in this moment, enjoy what I've been blessed with? Why can't I just enjoy what I've earned and what I've worked for? What I've spent my entire life working for? And again, Solomon says in verse 8, this too is meaningless. And I love what he says here. It's a miserable business. Anybody ever had a miserable business? This is a miserable business trying to catch the wind. And work and work and work and work. And why? As long as you're always trying to hold on to two handfuls and wishing you had a third hand, it doesn't really matter what's in your hands. doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter how good-looking your husband is or how smart your kids are or how athletic your kids are or, you know, how well, how high they can score on an ACT test. Solomon says, it is a miserable business, and you will never be able to truly enjoy your life. You will never be able to truly enjoy your family. Because if you keep looking to your left, and you keep looking to your right, comparing yourself to everybody else, Solomon says, listen, I've been there, and I've done that, and it's chasing after the wind. It's chasing after the wind. And you know what chasing the wind will do? It will wear you smooth out. How many of you here today are exhausted? A bunch of you are lying right now. <clears throat> How many of you are exhausted? Did you ever stop to think about why you're exhausted? I, I don't know about y'all, but kind of the same record plays at my house every afternoon. Lynette gets home from work. She walks in. 
I say, how was your day? She said, it was work. I'm exhausted. And I, she'll be like, how was your day? It was work. I'm exhausted. We're tired. We're tired all the time, aren't we? We're just tired. Why are we exhausted? Are we so tired and so exhausted because we're trying to keep up with everybody else? Who honestly, those people that we're looking to on our left and our right, you know what they're doing? They're chasing after the wind too. They're never going to catch it. They may have caught a little more than we caught at this point in our journey, but they're never going to catch it. They're not going to get it all in their grasp either. Or here's another question. How many of you here today feel like that life is just a struggle financially? You have financial struggles. Well, how'd you get there? Trying to keep up with what everybody else has and what everybody else is doing and where everybody else is living and where everybody else is going on vacation. Could that be a part of the financial struggles that you're living with right now? So you can drive what they drive, so you can go where they go, so your kids can wear what their kids wear. I mean, we can blame it on the debt. We can blame it on the economy. We can blame it on uh, losing your job. And those are real-life problems that we can't really control. But maybe at the root of all of that, you're just trying to keep up with everybody else. Maybe at the root of that, you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Here's another question. Are you allowing what other people have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Think about that. Are you allowing what other people have to keep you from enjoying what you have? Because you have eight-foot ceilings and your next-door neighbor has ten-foot ceilings. And now you hate your house. And so you go house shopping. You buy you a house with 10-foot ceilings. It costs you quite a bit more a month, but I think we can work it into the budget. You buy you a house with 10-foot ceilings. The next thing you know, you meet your neighbor next door, and guess what? They have 12-foot ceilings. Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what you have? How about this one? Do you enjoy your kids? Are you enjoying your kids or are you driving them absolutely crazy trying to push them to be what everybody else's kids are? To accomplish what all the other kids are accomplishing? Are you enjoying your children in the moment? In the present? Or are you just pushing and pushing and pushing? Can you just take a deep breath and enjoy your children for what they are and not what your neighbor's kids are? Because the issue isn't really your child. The issue isn't their ACT score. The issue isn't that they didn't make the baseball team. The issue is that they are your child. Can you enjoy them the way God created them in the moment? Or are you just going to drive them crazy because of what somebody might think about you? See, a lot, of, a lot of parents are living their dreams through their children's lives. Trying to create, motivate, intimidate their children into being what they could never be. See, we all want the best for our children. And 
We would like them to be smart. We would like them to be good at stuff. But man, are, are we trying to get them to do that in a way that's detrimental to our family? Detrimental to our children and their future? Detrimental to the financial needs in the family? They're your children. God gave them to you to not only raise, but to enjoy. Children are a blessing. And I want to tell you people, young people here that have young kids, they're here today and gone tomorrow. They're gone before you know it. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. You see how dangerous this is? Wouldn't it be amazing to get to a place where we could say, you know, what I have in this one hand, this is better. This is the best. What I have is exactly what I need. It's exactly what God has blessed me with. And I'm going to live with one handful in peace, in joy, contentment, tranquility. And I'm not going to go for two fistfuls or three fistfuls or four fistfuls. And we'll never get this right as long as we're looking to our left and looking to our right. Friends, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's no contentment in comparison and looking around. So let me ask you this morning before we leave. Are you chasing after the wind? Are you exhausted? trying to catch something that you're never going to catch to achieve something that you may never achieve are you chasing after the wind because here's the deal you can't be fully committed to this journey with Jesus if you're over here chasing the wind this is a spiritual issue it's a spiritual issue Let's stop chasing the wind. Because here's what we all know. There's no joy. There's no peace in comparing ourselves to others. And if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you're on a journey with the Creator of all things. You're on a journey with a good Father who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. All of creation is His. And He stands before us. He stands with us, open-handed. And He says, everything that is mine is yours. That's who you're on this journey with. Why would we look around at the piddly stuff that everybody else has when our Savior says, here's what I have. And what I have is yours. And He tells us this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They, they do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This morning, as we close, I want to close with a time of prayer and I want to invite you to come and pray if there's something that maybe has been weighing heavy on your heart a situation a person and God's just speaking to you and say bring it to the altar today I invite you to come this morning as we close with a time of prayer together as the family of God we're all on this journey together Never be ashamed, never be embarrassed to say, I need to go to the throne of my Father and lay this at His feet. If that's you this morning, would you come as we pray together? Dear God, again, we come to you with this reminder that we are a blessed people. We're so very blessed. And it is so easy in this world that we live in right now to look to our left and our right. Sometimes I'm guilty of trying to look way ahead. God, I thank you for your presence in my life. I thank you for the promise that we have that you are with us. You are at work in our lives. If we've accepted you as our Lord and Savior, your spirit dwells within us. And sometimes I believe that we get so busy chasing after the wind that we lose this perspective. We lose this knowledge of knowing that you want to work in and through us in the moment with what we have right now. You trust us with what you've given us. And God, forgive me when I failed you with what you've blessed me with. And I thank you for this reminder today. Not only for your love, but this reminder that we have through your word. God, I I trust your word. Your word's alive and active. Your spirit is alive and active. And so today I trust what you're doing with your word. And with the Spirit in this place. I know that you're at work. 
God, today I come before you and I ask you to forgive me when I failed you in these areas. And I have many, many, many times looked everywhere but the right direction. God, help me to keep my focus on you. Help our church to keep our focus on you. Help these families that I love dearly, that you've entrusted me to be their pastor and their spiritual leader right now at this time. God, give us all wisdom. Give us clear direction. But God, most of all, help us to live in every moment of every day with an awareness of your presence and your blessings that we have. Help us not to get sidetracked from that. Help us to represent you and look like you everywhere that we go. Because you are there. God, I continue to pray for those in our church that are going through difficult situations. You know the need in Richard's life. You know the need in Randy's life. You know the battle that they're going through and what their bodies are going through. You know better than anybody. You know better than any doctor. God, I pray for healing. I pray for physical restoration. I pray for strength. I pray for comfort. I pray that they would sense you in a very real way today, working in their lives. God, continue to pray for Wanda. I'm so thankful for Wanda. Gene, what a blessing they've been to me, a blessing to our community, our church. She did her best to try to be here today, and I know she wants to be here so bad to be with her family. But God, just continue to heal, continue to help her, restore her back to better than she was before. God, I pray for Mike. You know his situation. And sometimes we face things and we don't understand why. It makes absolutely no sense to us. But it, here we are in this moment for whatever reason. So God, be with him. Help him through this time. We trust you. Our hope is in you. I know that his hope is in you. And I'm thankful for him. God, give him the desires of his heart. God, I pray that as we go from this place that we would also be aware that people that we come in contact with don't know you. <laughs> They're not on a journey with you. And so I pray that they would see you through the journey that we're on with you. They would see you in our lives. In the way that we love the way that we forgive in our generosity. I pray that they would see our Father, our good, good Father. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with me this morning as we close being reminded who we are? And who we are to be as we leave this place. Would you join me in the benediction this morning as we read. Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service.
Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. God bless you all. I love you so much. Have a great week.